Hey, today we look at the abortion law in Texas, and you get to hear from my lovely wife, an uplifting story of adoption of two beautiful people. That's next. Hey, welcome back to the Barry Farrow Show, Culture Shift. You know, Texas just passed the most pro-life law, or depending on how you look at it, the most anti-abortion law in the nation. The legislation was introduced in the legislature and it passed into law in May. Then it was immediately challenged and went all the way up to the Supreme Court, which just ruled that the law is going to stand. Here's what it means. In other states where abortion is somewhat restricted, but they've attempted to have a law that impacts Roe versus Wade, they were uh, restrained by the way that they tried to put the law into place. This was different. So when the Supreme Court ruled way back in 1972 that Roe versus Wade would become the law of the land, when states attempted to restrict abortion, they didn't structure it in a manner that prevented them from being sued. This does. Here's how they structured it. So anyone can sue a person for having an abortion in Texas now. And when you do that, what happens is that you'll have a penalty if you helped someone get an abortion or if you were participating in the abortion yourself. So what this does is it kind of exempts the legislature. They are allowed to pass this law that they wanted without the state attorney general himself being subject to these lawsuits. So it's a decidedly pro-life law, and it basically goes back to six weeks. So at about six weeks, you can detect a heartbeat, and that's why they call it the heartbeat law. And when an unborn baby is having that heartbeat recognized, you can't abort. You can't take the life of that unborn baby without being subject to a lawsuit that someone, anyone can apply against you if you were a party to that, uh, that beating heart. So when Texas put this in place, of course, everybody went up in arms because they saw how clever it was. You can't now tie up this restriction to abortion in court. So in this broadcast, I'm going to just give you my opinion on the whole pro-life issue, and I'm going to let my lovely wife share her life story. We adopted two kids when they were three days old. Both are adults now, and they are both amazing people. The world is certainly a better place because they're in it. So let me just give you my opinion on abortion. It's shaped by two sources. First, the Bible is clear about life. Second, in today's world, more than ever, uh, taking a pregnancy to term is possible because there are so many adoption options. You know, there are over 2 million families that want to adopt right now. So there's no need to have an abortion. And supportive of this second source of my belief is our joyful uh, story. It's a wonderful life story of our family. So I'm going to let my wife share that because she's really the hero of that story. So let's just first look at my opinion and what the source of it is. God. I believe that God's the ultimate authority for everything and that he spoke about what he his opinions are and, and, and what he says matters to me. And I believe that the Bible speaks truthfully about the set of guidelines that we're supposed to live under. And they're really mostly very clear for most everything in life. But this particular one about life is very clear. For example, in the Bible, it says that thou shalt not murder. And that's in Exodus 20, verse 13. 
You dig a little deeper and you'll find that killing in self-defense or as part of a justified war as a soldier for a country is acceptable or permitted, but you can never murder anyone. So the Bible defines murder as killing for convenience. In other words, all the killings that aren't in self-defense or in a justified war are killings for convenience. This type of killing is whether it was premeditated or not. It's when you just don't want that person around anymore, whether it's a fit of rage from uh, a family member or a gang murdering one of their competitors. Murder is always wrong. So there's a lot of controversy, though, surrounding abortion. And for me, though we're talking about people who are yet to be born, I believe each precious unborn individuals should be protected. Each little unborn boy or girl is made in the image of the living God. So protecting innocent life uh, is, is thoroughly established in the Bible. And for me as a believing Christian, it's a cherished belief. For example, in Psalm 139, verse 13, we're told that God fashions each child together in the womb. And in Jeremiah 1.5, we find that God actually knows us before we're born, knows what our personality is going to be like, knows everything about us. I mean, that makes sense since God knows everything and everything that's going to happen. But boy, does that validate the important fact that there is someone in the womb to know. And inside the womb is a real developing person, a precious little boy or precious little girl developing a human. And in Psalm 127, verse three, we find that children are a blessing from God. And that has certainly been true in my life. We also find in Proverbs 6, 16, that God's against the shedding of innocent blood. So for me, it's a foundational belief. I believe that God's for us. And we know that he is according to scripture. I mean, in, in Romans 8, 31, it's explicit that if God's for us, who possibly could be against us. And in Psalm 118, the Bible specifically says that God is for us. In 1 Peter 5, it says that he's so much for us that he cares about our little anxieties, our day-to-day issues. He's on our side. But God's the giver of life. And I don't think we should do anything to take away that life. You know, the first freedom principle is life itself, the right to life. And that right is not given by government. It is a right given by God. Everyone has the right to their own life. It comes from God. And what government should do, if anything, is to protect innocent life. So I am pro-life. The second issue where my wife's really going to steal the show here, I would like to help with the positive side of this issue. You know, there are a lot of organizations that are willing to help at no cost to you. If you find yourself in an unwanted pregnancy, you don't have to abort your child. You can put that child up for adoption. And, and you know, it's, it's actually likely the odds are actually in your favor that that precious little boy or girl that's developing in your womb would find a very loving family, a good home. You know, there's more good families wanting to adopt than there are babies who are up for adoption. So if your pregnancy is just not planned and you fear that uh, abortion would be the better thing to do, but there's something gnawing at you that says, maybe that's not the case. Um, Yes, you'll miss your baby if you put your baby up for adoption, but you won't experience the pain 
of amplifying that mistake with something much worse. And you will likely have a quiet joy that you know that what you did is chose life for your baby. And he or she will probably have a really good life. So to illustrate this reality, I'm bringing my wonderful, gorgeous wife of 38 years into the conversation. Now, Tamara and I go way back. We were just children when we got married. So uh, Tamara's an exceptional woman, and she's going to tell you this wonderful story. You know, she's done a lot of stuff. She's very skilled, very capable, very smart. Uh, She recently has had a whole bunch of posts in communications world. And in fact, in the communications world, they kind of speak of each other. And she's done so many effective campaigns, and she's such a good communicator of the issues that she's promoted that the... Uh, peers that are in her community, when they write of her, they call her a communications maven or an expert. And she really is. And currently, she's the executive director of MomForce, which helps moms across the country influence their local school boards. But today, I want to interview not Tamara, the executive director or the policy expert, which she really is, but as the mom, the extremely loving, adoring, incredibly capable mom of two beautiful adopted children. You know, in all of our 38 years of marriage, 34 of those years have been either thinking about, praying about, or having the actual children in our lives. And we have two exceptional kids because of two biological moms who chose when they were basically teenagers to choose life for their babies. And our boy's a fine young businessman. He's 32. Our daughter is a gorgeous, creative uh, talent and a great cosmetologist. She's 28. So I want to turn this over to the mom, Tamara. So, hon, let's frame up the story. Now, you weren't able to have children based on a health condition. What was the journey like for you? Honey, thanks for having me on your podcast. It's such an honor. (laughs) And what a joy to talk about our kids. So yes, when I first saw that there was some kind of a, you know, female issue, if you will, it took us a couple of years to figure out that, um, you know, through a minor surgery and, and many tests that I would not be able to conceive children. So as we got married, um, and a couple of years go by, which I've talked to a lot of women and it seems to be pretty normal that after about two years of marriage, in general, people start really thinking, oh, you know, I really want to have a baby. I really want to have a, a child and, you know, let's start a family and all of that. And in fact, that is exactly what happened for me. So, well, honey, I, I actually say uh, to people when I talk about our family, which I'm very, very proud of, that you're really the hero of the story. So, How did God move on your heart to adopt? So I just started, you know, thinking about it, of course, like I mentioned, and, you know, for me and, and Barry knows this about me, you know, I just, I just went to God because I knew that I I had an impossible situation in terms of, you know, health, a health condition that it would take truly a miracle if I were to be able to get pregnant. Of course I did pray for that. Um, um, but more than that, I just really cried out to God to be a mom, for us to be able to have children. 
um, adopt children, that God would bring us the children that he had for us. And that went on for about six years. Um, and, you know, interestingly, God led me to, and Barry was very gracious to allow me while he was in graduate school to get half the pay that I could have gotten with another job offer uh, to work in crisis pregnancy centers and, and you know, uh, direct them and, and just help young girls and women have alternatives to abortion. And so I was so involved in that, that seriously, half the time, I really didn't think too much about it because I was just passionately helping others. Uh, but then that was all, all, you know, sprinkled in were definite times of prayer on and off, just trusting God, Lord, I pray we could have children. I pray that, you know, you'll bring a child into our lives. So like I said, that was about a six-year period of praying. We want to know more. So tell us the story of David first. What what actually happened? So, you know, uh, you, you probably remember, you know, our couples group from college and and so it was um, 1988, and I had just finished up working on a campaign to stop tax-funded abortions in Michigan, while Barry was very, you know, busy at work after, you know, in his corporate job. And we went down to Tulsa and had a fun Thanksgiving with several couples um, from our couples group in college. And you know, of course, you, here we are, six years after you know we graduate from college, and. Most of them had babies, at least babies, if not toddlers. And I remember coming home very specifically uh, in November of 1988. And just, you know, my job was over because it was a campaign and that was done. And I kind of woke up that Monday morning just in tears. And just, you know, what I didn't begrudge anybody else having a baby. God actually gave me a powerful grace to, to celebrate with other people. But I just really remember just crying that day literally, as well as crying out to God and just crying out to God for a child. Just, Lord, can we, I want to be a mom. We want a baby, you know? And so that went on for that whole week. And then on that next Saturday, literally the phone rang. I answered the phone and it was my girlfriend, one of the gals that had been, you know, at the Thanksgiving dinner with, with children. Um, and she said, Tamara, do you want and I just about fell off my chair. <laughs> so that was David. That turned out to be David. So he was born the next April. And it was truly a miracle because um, the woman who was coordinating this was my girlfriend's mother. And she was well known in the community and people would come to her uh, when you know there was a, a crisis pregnancy, if you will. And she would help find families and that type of thing. And then obviously things were processed legally. But Basically, she went to another couple that wanted a, to adopt a second baby. <laughs> and two days later, that couple came back to her and said, we have prayed and we do not believe this is our child. And so that Tuesday, so I'm crying out to God on Monday, that Tuesday of the week before, unbeknownst to me, um, God had spoken to my girlfriend's mom and said, this baby, because she said, Lord, whose baby is this? And she said, my face popped into her mind and she felt like God said, this baby is for Tamra. It's just such an amazing story. And of course, David's been such a bundle of joy <laughs> from the first day. And, uh, a big bundle. <laughs> he, I know it was a big bundle for you. It's kind of you, you, in, in, you know, you're not like a basketball player. And so um, 
when, when you'd be carrying David around after he was just even a one and a half or two, it was so cute. You know, <laughs> draping down half of your he body, half my size. All, all <laughs> kinds of fun. And he's been a buddy for me, and now a business partner and a great friend to me as well. Um, and of course, there will always be uh, this incredibly super special place in his heart for you. It's cute to see big old six foot tall. David with his cute little mom, giving her a big hug. But um, so it's a, it's a beautiful story. And of course, life is much better uh, with David than without him. So for the audience, if that doesn't get you a little bit misty eyed, if you can believe it, it gets even more beautiful with, if it can, if that's even possible with our little alley girl. So, honey, you prayed and God moved. Please tell us the story of Allie. So, of course, you know, was, I think it was a full four years. I, I don't think we really talked too much about a second child. Uh, David's first four years of life, we were just caught up with him and loving it. Every, and just cherishing every moment with him. Such an amazing kid. And then um, you'll, re- I'm sure you remember, honey, that you and I went to a, a conference. Um, and so we, I remember that we got in the car after hearing Mike Ferris talk with all of his kid, you know, beautiful family and children on the stage. And we kind of looked at each other in the car and we said, oh, let's pray for another child. We were both like, yeah, let's pray. So we just started praying and, and you prayed a beautiful prayer. And then I was praying a little bit. And then all of a sudden, and honestly, it just came over me. I don't know. I didn't premeditate it. But all of a sudden, I just said in our prayer, I'm sure you remember it was, and I pray right now in Jesus' name for a girl to have the courage to walk out of an abortion clinic right now in the name of Jesus. And I remember looking at you and going, I don't know why I said that, Um, but apparently it happened. (laughs) So the next, that was Saturday. And on on Monday, um, I got a phone call and David was down for a nap and it was same woman that had organized David's adoption uh, for us. And she said, hi, Tamara. You know, honestly, I hadn't literally hadn't talked to her for since David was born. Uh, So it wasn't like she called regularly. Uh, But she said to me, would you like another baby? And I said, "Um, yes. (laughs) And so she said, well, would you like to tie? There's a birth mother here. And I thought of you and I, you know, just felt like this was for you. This baby was for you and Barry. And, and um, she said, do you want to speak with the birth mother this afternoon? And I said, sure. Uh, So a couple hours later, I got a phone call and it was the birth mother. And, you know, God just always put it in my heart to be very respectful toward birth, the birth mother. This is her child to release. This is not, you know, something I take possession of. And I just remember saying to her on the phone, um, you know, I am really praying for God's will for your baby. And I, I guess she just felt, you know, really comfortable with, with me at that moment and safe. And so she just burst into tears on the phone and started to tell me the story of how she had been pressured to have an abortion. Um, and, you know, she had wanted to, to place the baby for adoption. So she was in a place of conflict. Um, and she said she actually had gone to the abortion clinic, uh, to proceed with that. And, uh, kind of in the middle of everything, she said during the counseling session that they have you in, she got up and ran out of the abortion clinic. 
And I said to her, what day was that? Uh, And she said, Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then I proceeded to tell her, of course, about our prayer. And of course, we could have never, ever known that we were in Indiana. She was in Mississippi, Mm -hmm. but God did that. And I think he made that such a beautiful part of what came to be our daughter, Allie's uh, story. And what's so powerful is Allie has started her own Instagram page uh, celebrating her adoption. She created a hashtag called Adoption Saved My Life. So that's such a blessing. Well, of course, Allie was the, and I'm not biased at all. This is just (laughs) an actual fact. The cutest little girl of all time. And uh, little cutest one-year-old, cutest two-year-old, cutest three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old. I mean, just the cutest little girl ever. And she has turned into such a special, beautiful young lady. Of course, it was kind of fun that she would be considered um, my twin. You know, people would say um, that, man, you guys look so much alike. And, you know, it was was really kind of fun. And uh, uh, of course, she's a much more beautiful girl than I am a good looking guy. (laughs) But she and I look alike, which was really fun and kind of enjoyable yeah. piece of the puzzle that God put together. And in, in some ways, you know, David and I are like exactly the same in terms of certain yes. ways, <laughs> even some weaknesses, you know, we're both not the most patient people in the world. And Allie and I are like twins with adventure and yeah. the types of fun things that come from that. And so those are kind of fun things that God put in place that are extra bonuses over and above, which you would, you know, you would think would be the case. And that's just the way God is. Um, they, you know, the, the story is a special story and it's now, you know, everybody knows I'm a conservative um, and get around Allie for a little bit and you'll find out that she's just as conservative as I am in her beliefs, but she does it with a more sweet demeanor. Um, she's a wonderful person, loves God with her whole heart. And, you know, she's always been a real sweet worshiper, just honors the Lord. And so here we have two extraordinarily wonderful people who are young adults in there and, and contributing in their own right. I mean, they're very positive in their life. They, uh, every, everyone they touch loves them. Uh, people pour out their lives and their heart to both of the kids and share uh, their whole life story with them. They're just wonderful people. And, you know, uh, this wonderful story of two beautiful people on the earth that everyone that knows them loves them might not have happened. It's possible. And thank God for prayer. Thank God for your prayer. Um, You really believe God answers prayer, don't you, honey? Yeah, (laughs) I do. (laughs) It's wonderful. He's an amazing God. He really is. He really is. So we are both really grateful for the reality of what has transpired, Um, but it it might not have been. You know, it's been three decades. Can you believe that? Um, Three decades of uh, this part of our life story. Yes. And, you know, what we decided to do 
uh, everybody's different and uh, we certainly wouldn't judge anybody else. We, you, you navigate this whole process all by yourself and ha- how you do it. And you think about what other people are doing and pros and cons, and then just what's the best for the kid. But in terms of, you know, how, how does the biological mother fit in? And now in both those instances, the biological dad moved on and uh, as is often the case. So the biological mother's kind of left on her own. In both cases, they went on and had their own lives. And in both cases, we uh, gave them information periodically, but in a one-way street kind of a way and didn't allow or just chose to wait until our kids were adults before we gave them all the information. So at 18, we gave them everything so they could just choose to do whatever they wanted. If they wanted to go and visit them, they could. If they wanted to uh, restrain that somehow, they, they could just define how to do that. That's kind of what we did. And so uh, part of that decision, and they, I think, appreciated that, uh, and, and that's worked out great, but uh, there's certainly something, even though we don't really have any relationship with the birth mothers, there's certainly something you really appreciate about them, and I thought I'd let you share that. Absolutely. I've always um, felt such a deep gratitude, and I'm gonna, <laughs> hopefully I won't start crying here, uh, but just such a deep gratitude for our birth moms. very grateful. There's not much more to say, uh, but that's kind of amazing that we got you to a place where you didn't have a whole lot to say. That's fantastic. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So obviously there's an element of unselfishness on the part of the birth mom an element in which they give something up. And this story is just one of countless millions of stories. Uh, They're all over the world where a birth mom had the courage to, she was too young to take on this pregnancy in a way that she felt like she could responsibly, but rather than abort the child, it is still painful no matter what, but it's less painful to uh, be a blessing to others and to be a blessing to your child and to carry that child to term. What a blessing for our family, David and Allie have been. What a blessing for our extended family. I can't even imagine what it would be like if our cousins didn't have David and Allie in their lives. It would be so different because they are so the life of the party in so many instances. What a blessing to really everyone they know. They're phenomenal people. Adoption is a courageous and a loving choice. So choose life. You will not regret it to your freedom. And that includes protecting innocent life. God bless you. Hi, I'm David Farah. Thank you for listening to my dad's podcast, The Barry Farah Show, Culture Shift. Click subscribe now to be sure you don't miss an episode. Share this podcast with your friends on social media and give The Barry Farah Show your five-star rating. Check out today's show notes below this episode and at theberryfarrishow.com. This podcast is also available in video format at The Barry Farah Show on YouTube. See you next time.